Welcome to Witch Priest Radio, episode number 27. Uh, this week's theme is East, and our guest was Greg Milka Crow, who you may know uh, from a lot of local bands. Um, pretty much, you know, if you've been around the ska scene or a fan of any of the local ska bands for the past 15 years or so, you've probably come across some of his music. He was in, uh, well, currently he's in the Scarlet Union. I just got that ska, scar, lit union. No, it's not. It's not, <laughs> it's not a pun. It's not. I, I hope not. Um, no, but he's in the Scarlet Union now. Uh, he was, I mean... I think most notably he was in Whole Lot of Milka, mm-hmm. which was uh, I, I know I know I say this to him on the show and I've said it on other shows we played them a few weeks ago, but they were definitely one of my favorite all time Winnipeg bands, and they were the band that kind of got me interested in Scott in the first place. Didn't they like, have that uh, propaganda diss song? They did. We didn't ask him about it. We should. Uh, you know what? I was thinking about it, but like I should have brought it up. But you should have brought it up. But you guys seem to have such a good dialogue because I like I know his music from you playing it yeah. for me, but yeah. I'm not. I'm not like. Uh, I don't know it as well as you do, so I kind of just let you take yeah. control of the questions. I should have just brought that up. I'm an idiot. Yeah, that would have been really interesting, actually. So, so the, Greg, the, if you're listening, oh, you probably are listening to this to like, hear what the finished product sounds like. So, like, uh, I love how our intro to the episode is <laughs> explaining how it could have been a better episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, Greg, come back on the show and tell us about the propaganda this song. Um, but other than that, no, he uh, he played a song at the end of the show, which is really cool. Uh, it's actually really interesting. It was like a poem that he set to music. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, that's been up on YouTube probably for a while now because um, we put those up ahead of time. But, uh, yeah, you can download our podcast at www.witchpolice.com. You can find it on Twitter at witchpolicefm. You can find you at Rob Crooks and robcrooks.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find John Asko playing ball hockey. Um, I'm fucking meditating. Yeah, yeah. Or that. <laughs> it's like at John meditating. He's probably meditating in the ledge yard right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were recording another... Um, this is totally off topic. I know this is the intro, but we were doing another intro, me and John, and... Um, I like introduced the show and I, I said John's here to help like you know tell us what's going on and, and what episode this is and he goes yeah I'm gonna tell you uh, to see how the fudge is packed what I just said what are you talking about and then he just didn't say anything <laughs> so that's why, that's why you're doing the intros with me now because I don't know what he means like, how the fudge is packed does he know just, the connotation I don't think so that? no I don't think so oh okay so he doesn't understand I don't it. think it's like any kind of like offensive joke I think he just said something random and then didn't know how to how to react after saying it. So there's this weird... I know this is completely off topic from this, but yeah, Greg Crow. Um, that's, but that's a particularly strange thing yeah, to say. Because there was just like some awkward silence, and I was like, I laughed and said, I don't know what that means. And <laughs> he just didn't reference it. So that's why you're doing the intros with me now. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh, this is um, Greg Crow episode. Uh, what we what we try to do on a lot of these is throw some uh, little sound clips... Um, of something related to the band or the episode or the wish police at the end of these intros. And uh, I haven't actually asked Greg about this yet, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I have uh, a CD of demos of his uh, musical that he wrote. I don't know if you should do that, though, just because that musical, like, there could be copyright. That's true. We won't do that. Yeah, we um, not do that. Okay, we're not going to do that. Uh, I'll just throw a hold of Milka clip in. Yeah. yeah play, the, play the propaganda disc song. Okay, all right. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah rewind, rewind that. Yeah, we're not going to play his musical. Actually, if you listen to the show, though, we do talk about his musical. Yeah. Um, kind of at length and it's kind of pretty interesting so uh, check it out uh, he plays a song at the end and uh, we'll play the propaganda this song just a little bit of it. it's called A Message to You Chris from the first Holiday Milk album which he also talks about if you listen to the show so check it out Which Police Radio Greg Milka Crow episode number 27 
welcome to uh, Wish Police Radio episode number, what is it, 27? think so, yeah. Yeah, 27. And um, I'm back. I wasn't here last week for the Pipskid uh, episode, but um, me and Rob are here. John's away again, so it's kind of like a rotating cast of hosts. But our guest this week is uh, Greg Milka-Crow, who you may know from uh, his solo stuff, from A Whole Lot of Milka, from The Wedgwoods, from Scarlet Union. Uh, missing anything? No. Racketeers, I guess, briefly. Briefly, very yeah. briefly. Yeah. Well, pretty much any Winnipeg Scott band, you know, over the past what fifteen years or so, you've been probably somewhat involved. So, uh, we're really happy having you in the show. Actually, it's cool. Um, I'm happy. Th- to th- be thanks here. for coming. Yeah. Thanks, so thanks the, for me. the theme this week is uh, what East. Yeah. East, which is uh, you know, this is again kind of uh, created by a random theme generator. We just sort of hit a button on the computer and it shoots out a bunch of words at us. So, so yeah. So we got we got East as the theme. We have Greg here. We have Rob here. We have me here. And I'm gonna play something to start it off. I think um, sure. this one I. I kind of, the one I want to play first actually is one I was listening to a lot today um, when I was trying to figure out what songs I was going to do. It's the, for one of the first things I thought of just because um, I've been wanting to play something by this guy for a long time. So the song is kind of a stretch to fit into the theme, which maybe isn't the best way to start the show. But <laughs> um, I'm going to play a song by Albert Ayler, and um, he's one of my favorite uh, jazz musicians. Um, I haven't had a chance to play him because none of the themes have fit yet, so I'm going to kind of shoehorn him into this one. Um, he, uh, the reason it fits East is because he drowned in the East River in New York. Um, so Fair. it's kind of morbid. Right. And, um, yeah, so I'm going to play a song by him and we can talk about it, uh, afterwards and I can kind of explain why I think it fits the theme and why I like it. And Sounds good. Go from there. So here's Albany Alert. <laughs>
That was um, Albert Ayler. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. And the reason I picked it. Um, well, first of all, do you guys listen to Albert Ayler at all? Are you? Uh, I, yeah, I do. I like the Albert Ayler. I, I feel like um, I got into him because uh, most of his stuff. Well, most of his stuff that I had first heard was really out there, like um, really kind of free jazzy and and weird and experimental. And he plays bagpipes on some songs and stuff. Oh, like, it's just really crazy. And um, then I kind of backtracked a little bit and uh, found that he'd done a bunch of standards albums and stuff in, in Sweden. He was living in Sweden for a while, mm. in like I guess it was the early '60s. And uh, I really like it. Like it's um, it's compared to his normal his, his normal stuff. His his mo- stuff I'm most familiar with. It's really like you know very structured i guess but um I, I love it i love the sound i love like that's that's one of my favorite instrumental songs i've ever heard by anybody like i just mm. uh, something about the way he plays it i don't know and it's what year was that recorded released this this is probably mid-60s okay um but the reason that I, I like it with the theme is i mean he drowned and it's kind of like whether he killed himself or someone was suggesting he was murdered but i think he sounds like he killed himself he oh, had right. like um Lots of uh, like mental issues and stuff, mm-hmm. and the song is about you know it's an old spiritual, and like nobody knows the trouble I've seen, no one knows the sorrow I've seen, that kind of thing. So it, and it's really mournful kind of thing. So right, uh, even though he recorded that years before he died, I still kind of think it fits well with um, you know it's a bit of a downer, and uh, <laughs> which maybe isn't the best way to start a radio show, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, in down the East River, so that's the connection. I'd been wanting to play him for a long time, and some of the stuff I wanted to play was like ghosts and stuff, which is a lot crazier and like, you know, yeah. but maybe I will play it on a future show if we get a ghost theme or something. But, um, I, I just, yeah, I've been listening to that song a lot for, for a couple of years now. Uh, just kind of regularly. I really like it. So, so I want to, it's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, eh? it's like, yeah. uh, like it really it pulls at the heartstrings a little bit. Like, yeah. And I find that there's not a lot of music that I listen to that does that. You know, there's a lot of music that I like for different reasons, but that one's really kind of really emotional. Like it, it hits you in the heart so right yeah yeah i was saying it makes me feel like i'm like st- like strolling aimlessly down like a fall street just like contemplating something that just went bad in my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah because yeah. i can see that a little bit yeah yeah but sometimes you need those songs right like yeah when you're feeling like that you kind of need the music to accompany it yeah so it's good i should put that on my ipod for when i'm feeling that way you should and you should check out other stuff too it's, it's right. pretty interesting i think i will um he calls uh, i was reading some stuff about it because uh you know i, I was planning on playing on the show and apparently he described his his more kind of wild music as energy music which i really like i like the term it's a lot different than uh you know i like it better than avant-garde or, or free or whatever energy music it sounds good like yeah it's a cool it uh Anyway, sort of started off on such a downer, but uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's Albert Ayler. It's good. No, I, the, Albert Ayler is the second the needle drops, you can recognize he's got oh, a, yeah, yeah, a, a signature sound, yeah. right? That very wide vibrato yeah. that he uses. Yeah. And uh, for me, he bridges the gap in between Ornette Coleman and Anthony Braxton. Right. And I think there's like a continuum of jazz saxophone players that, um, for me, you know, it starts before this, but like Charlie Parker yeah. set a new standard for how jazz music was to be played, and there was a continuum that followed after that. And then along came Ornette Coleman, yeah. who he wrote a tune called Bird. Yeah. And I read in some liner notes somewhere that that, was, that tune was an homage to Charlie Parker because he, Parker would understand what they were trying to do. It was, you know, what Ornette Coleman was doing at that point in time was considered avant garde, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. But uh, um, the um, the approach was really just an extension of what Parker was doing, 
And then if you keep going, you find Albert Eiler kind of next in line, right? Yeah. And he was playing the horn unlike anyone had ever played it before. But um, to me, especially with that tune, yeah. um, it's very a vocal approach to the saxophone, right? Yeah. With that wide vibrato. If somebody was singing, uh, you know, in the deep south with their heart, like For just sure. letting the vibrato come out as it For were, sure. you know. And then I think Anthony Braxton is one who takes it to the next level beyond that. Have you heard any Anthony I've Braxton? Heard, I've heard a few songs here and there, but I don't have any of his records. I have a lot of Arnett Coleman. I have five or six of his albums. Oh, yeah. He's, I really like, yeah. He's one of my favorite jazz yeah, sax players, for sure. Even even now, still, the more recent stuff he's doing, too, is really good. Like, um, he he got actually a Nobel Prize for music or something uh, a few years ago. Oh, really? I didn't and, know this. Uh, what was the album called? You know, I have it on CD somewhere. I could probably look it up when we're playing another song yeah. but even his new stuff yeah Coleman is, is still really good it's um but I mean I'm not super knowledgeable about about like the saxophone I mean I you know I I, I know I like the sound of it but I don't have any kind of technical background for anything but it's that vibrato thing is what I like about Ayler immediately the first time I heard him uh there's some something that grabbed me as being different and interesting about what he was doing and that even on his wilder stuff he's still doing that kind of sound and you can oh, recognize yeah. it you can pick it out like yeah. right away and I think the one thing that I thought was interesting when I was just reading up, up on him um both today before this and I also have a book about um, the history of uh, pointing the bookshelf like people can see it uh, <laughs> I have a book about the history of Impulse Records and there's a, there's a bit of stuff on him there oh, as well cool. and uh, he actually played at uh, John Coltrane's funeral he was one of the performers oh I didn't know that either cool. so, crazy yeah it's kind of a yeah so cool so yeah it's uh, pretty much all I've got to say about that yeah really. I mean uh, it's um, it's a downer <laughs> but it's not it's not a downer like it's a sad you know it's sad i guess in the context of yeah it's a it's a pretty like emotional song and he died in their mysterious circumstances and etc but and like how long after did he die oh i think about 10 years probably after that oh. i don't have the exact date that was oh, like in the could... 70s then? yeah yeah and he actually in the 70s he released a bunch of stuff that i have one of his albums from the 70s and he tried to kind of go the rock have you heard any of his rock stuff like he has like a bunch of guys i think from canned heat playing in the band with him no i have and it's real and he has his girlfriend is singing but she's not a very good singer and so it's him going crazy on the sax and, and bagpipes pretty heavily <laughs> and then there's this weird rock like blues rock background i don't know that's <laughs> uh, pretty most, wild yeah, yeah it's pretty weird yeah but i mean energy music right it makes sense i guess yeah to combine that stuff so yeah. so yeah i mean as far as my my limited knowledge of sax uh, of, of sax players is kind of uh just stuff that i stumble upon and end up liking like ornette coleman I, I don't know what i heard first but I, I ended up buying like a lot of his albums um john coltrane and, and Albert Ayler and uh, I guess Archie Shep are like the big ones for me and this guy particularly I think I listen to him more than the others so yeah no it was a really good pick I love how the the saxophone really drives that quartet yeah like uh, when you think about like a rhythm section the piano bass player and the drummer are working usually work you know um, very cooperatively but yeah. in that particular tune it's very free in terms of time and yeah. they kind of just let the melody float over top of some color that they add to it so yeah so i wonder who's like if that's ayler's design too you know i'm not sure but it's it's very cool you yeah, know it's, it's a new, new yeah. way of approaching that that kind of music so yeah yeah for sure and i mean like you know for uh, i don't know anyone who can play like that like i mean i know a lot of people who play saxophone I've never heard anyone come up with something that, that, that I don't know what it is, it's just, you feel it, you know, I mean, I've heard a lot of saxes, but yeah. that's, that's something special, I guess, so. Some ways, you know, I think if, when I listen to Ayler, he's kind of like the, the punk rock sax musician, yeah, totally. right? Yeah. Um, I mean, aside from, like, say, John Zorn, but, you know, this kind of... I think we played John Zorn on here before, I think John played him on the New York episode. Could have been, I yeah. don't Oh, okay. Yeah, had him, yeah. yeah, and Zorn's awesome, too. It seems like Ayler is, uh... Um, very much do it yourself, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. 
I don't really know how to play the saxophone. I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. Like, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it just goes to show, again, like, how imagination is more important than, like, technical knowledge of totally. something, right? So, yeah. and that's what I love about Ehler, too, is his imagination and his approach to the instrument. For sure. Yeah. One thing that I, I the last thing I want to say about it, and we can move on to the next song, is that um, there's a documentary. Have you seen the documentary about him? No, it's called I My Name is Albert Ehler, and it was, it was all about his period when he was in Scandinavia, when he was doing all these standards and stuff, and apparently it's great. I haven't seen it, and I actually find it very hard to find a lot of his stuff. Um, I mean, there's a couple CDs that Impulse re-released, which is what I've been able to find, but I mean, he's got so many weird releases in different, you know, a lot of it's in Europe and stuff that you can't get, so it's kind of, uh, I would love to see some label just reissue a ton of his stuff mm -hmm. over here, because it's just, it's kind of, you can pick it up here and there, but I, I mean, I don't even know how many albums he has, like, mm -hmm. I don't have... Someone please listen to this and then <laughs> reissue it. I have to check out that documentary. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. supposed to be good. I, I okay. haven't seen it though, but yeah. uh, it was at Cinematheque actually, like maybe eight years ago. And, okay. And I remember thinking, oh, I should see that, and then I forgot about it. And, yeah. So. So yeah. Anyway, did you want to play something next? Do you want to? Uh... Yeah, sure. Uh, do you want to play, or you want me to talk about it, or? Oh, if you want to give it, I guess a bit of a bit of an intro, and then we can listen to it. And yeah, I'll give it a, just a brief int intro. This is uh, Eastern Standard Time. Fitting with the East theme, and uh, it was originally recorded by the Scatolites back in the 60s. And, uh, Did this you hear is... that Cedric Brooks just died? No, I didn't. I read this today. He died today. Died today? Died today yeah. Oh my god. I mean, really? this will come out like a couple weeks later, but right. yeah, on the day we are recording this, Cedric Brooks just died. Yeah. Oh, wow. He was 70, I think. Crazy. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Uh, so this was, uh, it was recorded by uh, Courtney Pine who is a, a jazz saxophone player, so it's a pretty good segue. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. we'll give a listen to that, I guess. Cool, all right. Forward and payaka, monocle and then go saka.
that was uh, Eastern Standard Time. And who's the, who's the artist on that? Uh, the artist was Courtney Pine. When was that? Is that a newer? It sounds like it maybe been. Newer that was uh, 1992. Yeah. 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 And you're saying he was a, he's a jazz saxophonist? Yeah. So that's kind of not a good representation of what most of his recordings sound like. But uh, I, I wanted to play that one specifically because I've, I've been a big fan of uh, ska music yeah, for, for sure. most of my life. And and uh, uh, in the uh, late 90s, I, um, well, I think you were at that show, Sam, where the Scatolites were in town. I didn't. I, couldn't, I was actually living in Verdon, Manitoba. Oh, at point. okay. I couldn't get back for the weekend, but I was uh, bummed me out because <laughs> I would yeah. love to see it. I heard it was great. It was fantastic. Yeah. And uh, a few days later, they were playing in Appleton, Wisconsin. Um, at this, uh, they had the like Ska Festival. The Ska Fest, yeah, yeah, they had this Ska Fest down there. I don't know if they still do it, Scapleton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but me and my my buddy Dennis, who uh, later went on to play with the Afterbeat, yeah. uh, we drove down there uh, to see the Scatolites again. Hey, why not, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and the Toasters were playing too, and the Elstonians. There were some decent bands, a lot of horrible, horrible bands. The Afterbeat were supposed to play at that festival too, but they got stopped and turned around at the border, sadly. Okay. Um, but uh, went down there to uh, to s- mostly to see the Scatolites again, and uh, they blew our minds once again. And there was a guy at the festival who got wind that there were two guys that drove down from Canada to see the Scatolites, yeah. and he was in part uh, an organizer of the festival. And he's like, "Do you want to go backstage and meet oh, wow. the Scatolites?" It's like, "That's awesome." Yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. So yeah. we go backstage and. Uh, um, and we felt like two complete idiots because what, what do you say to them, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. we just stood there and watched them like talk to one another and <laughs> then we left. <laughs> so what are you going to say yeah, to the Yeah, like right? just kind of starstruck? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't normally get starstruck, yeah, I got, but I got that when, when I met Chuck D, I, I couldn't say anything to him because it's like, what am I going to say? Like, I'm, like I, the first thing that came to my head was like, you know, I'm such a, I'm such a huge yeah. fan. It's like, how many times does he hear that? And then I just started overthinking it, and I just was that that time anything. you guys I over you. for them or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then, and then I was with uh, two friends, and and they just had a conversation with him while I watched. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just sat there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hear that. Um, What's his name? Uh, Ray Capo from Youth of Today. Okay. Uh, he did a spoken word thing where he gave advice to people saying, uh, if you meet somebody you really admire, you say three things. You say, I really like you. I really appreciate what you've done. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, and then walk you walk yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. And yeah. I, I did that with James Hunter. I, I shook James Hunter's hand and I really appreciate all the music that he's made. And I said those exact three things and walked away. And he said, appreciate it, mate. And that was yeah. like, great. And I felt good about it. You know? yeah, that, yeah, I think I, I think I knew that somewhere in, in my head that that's, that's the route you should go. But now that I have that as like, a, you know, in point form, I can use it as a mantra. Yeah, yeah, so it's really good. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that, like, uh, not the Scatolites, but you've played with a lot of other, uh, like, Jamaican guys. I mean, it's, it seems like every year we did the Reggae Festival, I was on the, the organizing committee. Right, for, yeah. But, I mean, you were in the bands, I think, every year, right? I mean, you uh, played a couple with, years, uh, yeah. Willie Williams. Sugar Minot. And Sugar Minot, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you play with Mikey Dread as well? No, I didn't, no. no. But that was that the same kind of thing, or I mean, I guess because you're actually playing in the band, it's a little different, right? Is uh, it, it was a little bit different, especially with Sugar Minot, because he showed up about an hour before oh, yeah. uh, the show began, and then wanted to make changes to the set list, so the, that was interesting. So didn't really have time to meet him. You know, yeah. we were all very yeah. nervous about yeah. is he is the dude going to show up? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. So yeah, his plane is in the air, right? His plane's in the air. The it worked out well. Like, yeah. It sounded sound good. But... It, it, yeah, it was. We were really lucky. Um, so anyway, with the Scatolites, we, we left the uh, the venue, and then Dennis Dennis Godry and I were 
we uh, woke up in our hotel room the next morning and we went to this great big map of Wisconsin to figure out the best ride home yeah. because Appleton is kind of tucked away. It's uh, it's east of um, no, wait a minute. It's appropriate. No, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like in between Milwaukee and Green Bay. I think like okay. it's kind of out of the way. So we're like, do we go north to Green Bay and then cut over, or do we go back to Madison and then drive north? We didn't really know. So we're looking at this map, and there's this awful sound from behind us. Whoop boom, whoop boom. Very repetitive. And yeah, we're like what the hell is that? And and here coming down the stairs of the hotel is Lester Sterling, oh, awesome. and is dragging his suitcase behind him. I'm like. Dennis, holy shit, it's Lester Sterling. <laughs> That's awesome. And so there he is, and we turn around, and he looks at us, and we look at him. It's just the three of us. Yeah. It's like now you're kind of forced you to, to say, say something. You're yeah. staring yeah. at the dude, right? So, uh, Do we help him with bag or something? Uh, <laughs> no, we should have. <laughs> <laughs> on, on, on yeah. But uh, he said, thank you very much for your performance last night. We saw you in Winnipeg yeah. a few nights before. We're so happy. And, and he says, uh, do you guys play in a ska band? And what do you say to that? Like, you yeah. want to say no. Because yeah, exactly. you're too embarrassed. You don't want to say anything. Yeah, you almost don't want him to hear it, yeah. right? Because he's yeah, yeah, So I don't want to tell this guy yeah. I play in the Wedgwoods, which that yeah. music is so far removed yeah. from what they what do. What they know as ska, know? right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I say, yes, Dennis and I play in a type of ska band together. And, and Lester says, well, what do you play? I say guitar. Yeah. He looks at Dennis. What do you play? He says, I play trombone. And then he kind of nodded his head, took a moment, and he said, always remember the jazz. And he walked away. Cool. And so that's why I wanted to pick this tune, because yeah. uh, it's uh, the uh, the Scatolites were listening to jazz musicians. Oh, for and sure, yeah. Cox on Dog was bringing jazz records uh, over to the island when he would go to the States, and that's what these guys were listening yeah. to. And like when I think about the foundation of, of that music, you know, of, of ska music, that comes in part from the folk music of that country, but also a lot from American jazz. So For sure, yeah. I wanted to play that tune to show a jazz take on that, a jazz sax musician, paying homage to that. So I thought that was, yeah, it was very, very cool. cool. Very cool. Yeah. The bad the reverse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. I mean, I like the song. It's the song I always hear, right? So I always like it. It's great. But I guess Lester Sterling is the only one Alive or not, I think that's it. So you met He's... you met the surviving member. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, uh, both Lloyds were in the band. You know. Yeah. Was, yeah. That was, it was awesome. To well, see they just those died guys. recently, right? They it's did. like been kind of yeah. like every couple of years. One of them. It's one crazy. Of them bites, yeah. Yeah. So. And they're not that old, really. I mean, they're they're you know like uh, they're they're in their seventies, I guess. Most of them, right? When they die, yeah. it's not it's not like they're living to ninety or anything, but which is too bad because those guys are you know foundation of a lot of the music that. Absolutely. So. Yeah. So I you know. I don't mean to sound cheesy, but where would where would I be without yep. those guys? You know, like yeah, for that's sure. the music I've been playing for so long. So I owe a lot to them, and uh, yeah, it's it's sad. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but I mean, the music is still still there, which is good. Absolutely. So I'm glad someone recorded them at some point, and they will talk soon, I guess. But yeah, I'm glad that's it right. exists. So cause mm. it's a great band. So I should go next. Yeah. Okay. So uh, unless you don't want to. Yeah, I'm not Um Yeah. So as I, I was saying. Off, off air, I guess that uh, when the theme East came up, yeah. like so many songs about different directions came up, and I was thinking I might be able to get away with like using a song that had West or North in the title, but like Stand by R.E.M. I should have used Stand by R.E.M. Doesn't it have all of them? Yeah, it has all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but anyways, so uh, I did like originally come up with songs that had east in the title or yeah. were about being like people talking about being from the east especially the east coast of the states yeah 
Um, but I eventually just settled on two songs that are by artists from the East. So the first pick that I have is uh, DJ Moves and Tachichi. Okay. And they're a group that uh, they were from and at this time based in Halifax. I think uh, for a while they were based out of Vancouver. I'm not sure what they're doing now. Um, but this is uh, what you call a posse cut. So it's got all these uh, different rappers from Halifax on it, including uh, Kunga 219 of The Goods. Um, this guy No Self, who, who's really interesting guy, and then Buck 65 is on it as well. Um, so, sh should I play it? Then we'll talk about it after. Yeah, sure. Okay. Sounds good. So yeah, this song's called uh, Heads Up, and it's uh, Tachichi and Moves and their friends. Salutations, perfect throw, sets up perfect grab. Receive a golden glove when it comes to getting love. You know nothing about my family. I betray me as a son of a bitch or a bastard, argumentative. Calling them health words, but I see better turds of the ass of a rabbit with no exceptional terminology. Must be smoking herbs into cabinet. Anthropology, no issue. Black, white, Japanese, Hispanic, we still assemble as a collective unit, bringing plus humidity. Lost the fucking human ex as I witnessed the sweat dripping off your index finger. Just a pacifist, second guessing himself. Your death is optional, step down and educate yourself for once. Booty around with a fence, lesson one, drink lesson two, your death is non optional. Cause you went full, practicing volume of all of that. Missing soluble wisdom in the quote unquote stash. Where what the fuck's between your frontal lobes? Obsessed with pretty things, you're even kissing hopes. Hoping the recreation of a prince of made a mistake and kissed the snake. One with a megalithic rocket tailor at that. Push the pies aside. What's the EDMC in contest? That's that of the game my man cool went to when I make that cat so confess. Don't say that shit is cold. Fresh man, don't say. Heads up. Heads up, it's been received down the line. I'm size up. All these other crews, brother, booze is what they give me. Shake their weakness, yet they still be looking sickly Can't get over, can't get sober Losing points, using joints Supple yet subtle subtitles Surreptitiously anoint Pages in my journal Wars being waged on infernal sad crews Which had dues they should have paid Would have made the cut like a slaughterhouse I ought to oust you just for savvy rhyming Total lack of structure, top it off with crappy timing Nefarious minds lead to precarious bonds Cougar to when I'm the good shine But I'm just a small piece in a much larger puzzle The crew rolls dense with more components than a space charter shuttle Yeah, you got it right Locking in on us, trying to figure how to fight Original styles, they out of criminal files Love be getting wild, acting like a crazy child So don't do it, we stay fresh on own accord and willpower Maximize potential Yeah, so that was, um, uh, Heads Up The posse cut from the, uh, Tachichi and... Uh, moves suicidal soul EP and uh, yes yeah, so there's a few interesting things about that like uh, I was saying how the beat changes for each rapper yeah which is something that like guys in Halifax I know were doing back then like uh, this other group from there the goods uh, who uh, Kunga 219 from this song is in that group they used to do that they'd have like all their friends on one song but then the beat would change and that was something like New York guys were doing like a uh, gangstar was doing that okay. for back in the day. Um, the guy who made the beat, DJ Moves, he um, he's got like some pretty funny history. Like he made the beat to "If You Steal My Sunshine" by Len. That's hilarious. And like from what I understand, like he just sold... aren't a bunch of those guys in the video too. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think, yeah, a number of them are for sure. And uh, like DJ Moves made that album with Bird of Prey too. And, and Bird of Prey was a guest on the show. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess a few weeks ago or a few months ago. Yeah, and then uh, so so that's interesting because like that guy from Len is like still living off that song. I heard that song on the radio today actually, really? which is pretty funny. But I yeah. guess DJ Moves just sold the beat and that was it. Like oh, so he doesn't he's not get any royalties yeah. or anything. Um, and then the the third guy who rapped on that song, No Self, he was uh, he was, I don't know if you guys. Uh, picked up on him but he was the one who like his style's really weird it's kind of hard to understand what he's saying but he's got a really interesting style and like he was such a conspiracy nut that uh he was trying to figure out the best way to like to get back at the system so he in his mind i think he was like maybe doing a lot of drugs at the time but in his mind the best idea to get back at the system was to become a bank robber so he was like robbing banks for real, like in yeah. life. Wow! Like, and then, and then, and then, like I remember, because I remember he had like a lot of buzz back then because he was making this pretty weird music and like a lot of there was a lot of weird hip hop going on. So he was kind of like on the forefront of that. And then he just kind of disappeared. And I always like wondered where he went. And it turned out he went to jail because he was robbing banks. banks. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> is he still there or is he? Like, no, no, is I he think he's music? out now. Like yeah. I've heard, I don't know if he's making music now, but I've like I've. Someone told me that story after he had already gotten out of jail. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. It's weird, because whenever I think of posse cuts, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, Northern Touch, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and, yeah. like, we're all in the same gang, you right, know? Right. And, like, none of the, all those have the hook, though. Like, they're all, it's all, like, verse, yeah. hook, verse, hook. And this is not, I like how this was just kind of... Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they go both ways. Like, uh, you know, like I was saying, like, Gangstar does that, yeah. where they wouldn't have a hook, but they, they would just all have rappers on it. Yeah, and... Uh, there was a lot of that depends you know but there's a lot of posse cuts with with hooks as well um another interesting thing about this was that dj moves the guy who made the beat uh, buck 65 um they were in a group called hip club groove back in like the early isn't 90s, that like the predecessor to land or something yeah it's like the predecessor to land and the predecessor to like six two is in that group too okay. so like they all came out of hip club group hip club groove and uh it's funny, um, the guy from Trailer Park Boys, Corey, was also in that group. Oh, weird. Yeah. I think you told me that before. Yeah, that's pretty mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty, like, a lot of a lot of history and a lot of, like, a lot of stories from that one yeah. song. I've, that's kind of why I played it, because there were those stories. And East, because East Coast? Yeah, and East Coast, yeah. Cool. How did you, uh, I think we were talking while we were listening to the song, but how did you first kind of come across this? Yeah, like, I just remember when I was, I was listening to a lot of uh, underground Canadian rap, and I think I... I got to that just through, um, you know, listening to uh, Winnipeg rap, like listening to Fermented Reptile and like um, the Penis and Corn label and the Freak Show. Oh yeah. And then uh, that made me interested in other stuff. I got in interested into into like groups from from Saskatoon, like uh, So So and Factor and uh, Epic. And I was thinking how I could have played an Epic song because he he's from Saskatoon, but his record's called Eight Thirty in, in Newfoundland. Yeah, I have that. I have that. Yeah, yeah. Which is you know could have probably got away with yeah. playing that yeah so yeah i mean there's a lot of a lot of especially at that time there's a lot of hip-hop being made in canada and a lot of a lot of it was on the forefront of of like what was going on in the underground like like buck 65 yeah. and 62 who came out of that scene like had like were really su successful in the states and aren't to this day you know, so. the bug itself oh uh, yeah like he's touring and stuff like yeah. i don't know he's definitely very like influential like uh, you can you can see his influence in a lot of New York underground rappers of today. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. And he's from Halifax? Yeah. He's actually from, like, a small town outside Halifax. He used to apparently, like, climb trees and he could he could catch, like, 
New York radio if he was high oh, cool. up enough in this tree. <laughs> so he'd cool. be like listening to all this like classic old school hip hop coming straight from New York. Yeah. And then you met some of these guys too, right? Like you played shows with some of them? Like Buck yeah. 65 you opened for, right? And yeah, yeah. I met Buck 65. He was cool. I have never met DJ Moves, but he he said that he liked the song that Bird of Prey and I made, so that oh, cool. was cool. <laughs> like the new single that you have? Yeah. I don't think I've met the rest of them, but I've seen I've seen most of them live. I haven't seen No Self live, I guess. Because of the bank robbery thing? Yeah, I yeah. guess that's probably why. All right. Did you want to play your next uh, song now? It doesn't matter if, if you want to. Yeah, no, you might as well. I'm still trying to decide. i got a few options here. Oh, I, I want to go play, so if you okay, have yeah. something lined up, then... Uh... Sure. Um, uh, the next tune I have is um, from a group called Booze and Glory from London, and uh, they, they use the word East three times each chorus. Uh, and, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, uh, they're huge supporters of my favorite soccer team. So, and this tune is, is about that soccer team, West Ham United, even though they're West Ham, they're <laughs> yeah, yeah. from East London. So <laughs> how did you become a West Ham fan? Uh, well, I guess it started, um, just, I, I ask as a Chelsea supporter. Oh, I see. Oh, I, I'm sorry for you, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess in, in 98, I was in Paris, France, just a few days before the World Cup opened, oh, yeah. Yeah. and I kind of got sucked into, like, this, this football fever, and realizing, like, what a, a true world sport it is. Like, growing up in Canada, you think hockey is, like, yeah, the, 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 sport, yeah. The, yeah, the sport, but it's really North America, Scandinavia, and Eastern Europe, right? Mm. But soccer is, is a big, big deal across the planet, so I, I started to become interested in it, and uh, I need to pick a team. Yeah. So I I, uh, I knew that uh, Billy Bragg, who's like my musical idol, he yeah. follows West Ham. So oh, yeah. I was like, oh, that'll be my team. So. Did they have the Canadian goalie at the time, too? <laughs> they did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. that helps, I guess, right? Yeah, it does. <laughs> one, one thing I've observed over the years about uh, soccer in Canada is yeah. that um, I find most people in Canada don't know how to kick a soccer ball. Because, like, there is, like, a technique to it. There's yeah, a right, yeah. like, you got to hit it with the inside of your foot, right? And I find, like, most people just, like, toe kick it. Yeah. And I was, I was driving by, like, a soccer practice today, and yeah. it was just so funny. You're watching these, like, there were teenagers kicking soccer balls at the net and just, like, completely missing, yeah. like, going yeah. in every direction. <laughs> and I guess it'd be, like, someone from England trying to take a slap shot. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That's well, right. I almost feel like soccer is just, like, for a lot of kids, this is a default sport. Yeah, you go run around, it's fun, you know? Yeah, so they don't actually they care. Don't learn how they're to they're not really it. into it. They're just, it's fun to play, but they're not, you know, they're not. Because I, I played soccer, and I remember yeah, you were when my, I was, I was a goalie, yeah, right. but I remember when my coach told me how to actually kick a soccer ball, and I was like, I had no idea. Yeah. I yeah. had no idea I was doing it completely yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I actually have a, something, a story about West Ham. Um, when I was, like, I'm a Chelsea fan by, like, uh, family heritage. Like, I'm not allowed to be a fan of anything else. You've like, inherited. My, my, yeah. <laughs> my dad's English. Him and all of his brothers are the extreme diehard. Like, his brothers travel around Europe following Chelsea. Like, they're, you know. So when I was last in England, I was about 12 years old. And, you know, I had always been told that Chelsea is the team I need to support. But when I was there, I was, you know, in all the stores with all the jerseys and bags and hats and everything. And I wanted, I liked some of the other teams. And I liked the logo of West Ham. I liked the colors. And I was 12 years old, so I bought a West Ham bag and a hat. Oh. Right? And I thought, this is cool. I picked a team that I like. Walked into my uncle's house, and he wouldn't let me in the door. <laughs> the, I had to take off the hat and bag and leave them outside. And he was just, like, so mad. <laughs> he just couldn't believe that, like, my dad, I guess he must have thought he, like, failed me in learning, wow. like, teaching me the, the correct team. So I, I know now, funny. I know now that That's Chelsea really is the only, uh, I was in a Tim Hortons about a month ago, and, and a guy came up to me with a, with a British accent, 
And uh, it's like, excuse me, is that a West Ham scarf? Uh, yeah, it is. You might want to take that off. You're making a lot of nasty friends here. You know that, right? You know that. That's very good. Not very good. I would take that off right now. Yeah. I'm a Chelsea boy. Oh, yeah, here yeah. we go. Right? So. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so much more dangerous to be a supporter of one. Like here, you know, you can, uh, we've been watching the hockey tonight, right? It's like, uh, it's in Ottawa, but there's tons of guys with Montreal jerseys just mingled in the crowd. Yeah. You can't do that, like in no, most countries in the world. Like my sister yeah. went to the World Cup when it was in Germany. And she had to declare what team she was supporting before yeah. they sat, they gave her her seats. Like, right. So she, it was just like two teams she didn't care about, but she had to pick one so they could... My, yeah. fr- my friend Tom, when he's from Belgium, and when he was in uh, Winnipeg, uh, my, some of my friends took him to a bomber game. Oh, yeah. And, like, a player got injured yeah. from the other team. And, and, you know, like, when he got up, everyone was clapping like yeah. as he walked off the field and, like... My buddy from Belgium was just like, he was like disgusted. He was like, at a soccer game, they'd be like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's funny. It's pretty nasty. Yeah. The North American sports teams are based on pretty much Doesn't geography. Matter. Like, yeah. Yeah. well, I'm from Winnipeg, so I support the Jets, Winnipeg Bombers, Jets or the Bombers, Bombers or whatever, whatever yeah. right? And, mm-hmm. and in Europe, like, football teams have been founded on other principles aside from, from, uh, a geographic location yeah like we think about like new york and it can support two hockey teams and two football teams and wow that's amazing but london supports 14 professional yeah. teams crazy. right it's so crazy. it's like they got to be they have to have like a philosophy or perhaps it's religion or faith or and there's so much else, more history right? to each of these two right They've been exactly around for, i mean there's some i guess some hockey teams like montreal toronto and stuff been for 100 years but you know they're like every team has Decades and decades and decades of, of yeah, back absolutely. history and you know, right. yeah. and family. I mean, you know, if I decided to, uh, like, if my kids decide they don't like the Jets when I grow up, when they grow up, like, you know, I don't know if it'll be like the end of the world for me. That's right. Like, yeah. Okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I guess you chose the wrong team, but I'll accept it. So, so what, you know. so what happens like when a a player from one part of town plays for a, a team from another part of town? Oh, they go go crazy. People yeah. when the guys get traded. Did they, like, they tell um, Ashley Cole when he went to Chelsea? Um, there was like. If you go on YouTube and search for uh, Ashley Cole Baddie Boy, yeah. there's all these videos people made, <laughs> oh, hundreds and hundreds of videos, like just like basically like a bunch of like homophobic shit about how Ashley Cole, because he's a traitor and all this stuff, and it's just like un- crazy, crazy, wow. just because he got traded, like or he chose to go to Chelsea, and so, I mean that doesn't happen here, I don't think, I don't think if, uh, you know, if like Andrew Loud got traded, I don't think people would be posting YouTube videos. And They'd probably clap next time you use in Winnipeg. Yeah, they would. Yeah, exactly. They would exactly what yeah. They do, yeah, it's a different culture, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Culture of the sport. Yeah. Anyway, let's get Yeah, so we'll play it too. Everything can change for West Ham United Football Club in the next few seconds. West Ham players are surrounding Webb, saying the game should be finished. Time is up. It is up. It's all up for Blackpool. There'll be no Ian Holloway back in the Premier League. It is West Ham United who return.
That was uh, Booze and Glory. It's pretty uh, good. Uh, pretty good name for that kind of. Yeah, thing. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> just fit, very fitting. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I like how um, every band in that kind of style, even bands in Winnipeg that are playing that kind of stuff, I find that they all have like, uh, it's just such a it's such a awesome um, formula. They could just kind of like all your songs are about drinking and like being working class <laughs> and and soccer, you know. Right. And it's it's just like there's a mold, and you can, I mean, they all sound like it could be from the same city, you know. Even the accents sometimes when bands in Winnipeg, yeah, and do adopt them. <laughs> right. It's just yeah, it's one of those types of music that I think you can just like. There's a set like themes that you can write about and it's not doesn't it's not people don't get annoyed by it it's like people are happy to have the set themes it's uh yeah yeah it's, it's like it's what they want to hear and it's i was gonna say actually i was thinking well, listen to it like it's too bad people here don't play in north america don't write songs about sports teams like that but i mean uh Dropkick murphy's did a song about the um the red Sox. i think they did some boston song anyway okay it was a single so i guess they're trying to do the same kind of uh same kind of deal as this but here and i don't i don't, I don't know how well it did probably not Great, Mike Reese from the Afterbeat, he wrote uh, that Winnipeg Jets theme, hey, as you're leaving the arena. That's, oh, really? That's Mike, Mike's voice, and he wrote that. He, Yeah, so. Do they didn't pick up your song with the Jets? My, yeah, my song's pretty lo-fi, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, right <laughs> Actually, someone asked asked to put that song in a documentary, and I sent it to them. And the quality wasn't good enough? Yeah, the quality wasn't good enough. Oh, that's too nice. bad. And I was like scrambling to get it recorded better, but I just yeah. Didn't out. Well, I remember when we did that video for that, and uh, like we made he, this song came out before the Jets came back, like before they, it was announced that they came oh, back. Okay, yeah. And it was about it was about the Jets leaving. Yeah, yeah. and we had made a video for it, and uh, like I guess it came out like a couple months before. I mean, I made a video and it came out. I mean, I shot it on a crappy little digital camera and we put it together. But it was on YouTube a couple months before the Jets came back, and then when the Jets came back, a couple other people made these videos that were like a little slicker. But the songs weren't as good. And I remember just thinking, "Oh, ours is so much better." <laughs> oh. like, why didn't they pick up on our crappy That's homemade right. DIY? You know, yeah, yeah it should have got more attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then, like, I had like family members, like like aunts and uncles, being like asking for the link, and I'd send it to them, and they'd be like, "I can't listen to it. It's too harsh." On my <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't like. You know, I like make all these songs that no one wants to hear. Then yeah. all of a sudden. People want to hear the stupid songs about yeah. the Jets yeah. and not, like, not up to their standards. Finally, yeah. Like, <laughs> <"Fuck you." laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I like that one, though. But it wasn't this kind of... It wasn't like, go Jets, go. It was like... You know. There is a song like that on the radio by um, uh, Foreign Objects, this local rap group, and the chorus is, go Jets, go. I think go, I heard Jets, that in a Jets game. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, not, not this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We should just play, play Jets song on TV right now. <laughs> I'll throw it in somewhere. Um, no, that was cool. Uh, uh, do you have like a bunch of albums by these guys? I've never heard of them, but I mean, it sounds like no. Um, this this is way. from a, a seven inch that they did okay. uh, with uh, Mickey Fitz from the business because uh, he's also a big West Ham supporter. So uh, they did a, a seven inch on Claritin blue vinyl. Very oh, cool. cool. Yeah, and uh, it was to commemorate um, West Ham's return to the Premiership last year. So cool. Yeah, it's very cool. So the, um like, are you uh you're still do you actually follow it actively? Like do you follow? Like, I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So they've had a, a fairly good season, you know, a little dip here and there, but they're they're going to survive. And um like they like they mentioned in most of their music, like uh, the biggest problem of West End is just trying to stay in the uh, the uh, yeah premiership, sure. right? Yeah. It's uh, not yeah. about winning any silverware, but uh, yeah. there's something endearing about a team like that too. Maybe not unlike the Jets. You know, well, I guess that's something West about Ham. about European soccer well, that that is is different than hockey here. Like. I think that people are okay with the team here being not so great 
Because it's like, you know, like the Jets for years were pretty terrible. And people still were like, yeah, we like them. But there, I mean, if you're not good, you're going to get relegated. And yep. then if you are good, you get promoted, right, to the next league. So it's like there's way more. I think maybe that's what creates more passion for the team because there's there's like actual stakes if you win or lose. Like, right. So if you even if you have the, even if you're like the Montreal Canadiens, if you start losing, you're going to get bumped down to, to, you know. Yeah, can you imagine if the Canadiens were playing like in the AHL yeah, it'd or something? Yeah, it'd be like. nuts. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then like the St. John's Ice Caps were. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Hershey Chicago, Bears. Yeah, Chicago Wolves. Yeah, exactly. Chicago Wolves are in the Stanley Cup final against yeah, against like yes. against the Blackhawks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> be ridiculous. But that might maybe people would be more passionate about the teams if that was I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it would ever work. But no, I mean because the, the arenas yeah. are not really their size. Well, they imagine the the reason it works so well in Europe too is because there's so many teams, and yeah. the reason they can have so many teams is because there's so many people and so yeah, just of course, yeah. Area, yeah, right. Yeah, whereas here there's nobody and there's wide open spaces between yeah. cities and all that stuff. So yeah. yeah. But yeah, that was cool. Uh, I find with that kind of oi stuff, like, I usually like it when I hear it, but I have no frame of reference for where to start. I mean, there's some of the bands, like, like The Business, for example, and stuff that, you know, I know, I've heard them a lot and everything, but there's so many bands, and I, I really don't know, like, I mean, I've yeah. never had a kind of a starting point to get into it. So whenever I hear it, it's like, okay, this is cool, I like it, but it's just, it's never been one of those genres that I actually kind of delved into heavily. No, I'm, I'm with you there, too, because like you said, it's uh, it sounds like, uh, formulaic in the songwriting I think musically it's very much like that too yeah. like three chord in your face for two and a yeah. half minutes and we're done you know yeah and uh, so I I don't mind a bit of boy music here and there but uh, it's not something I'm, I'm a connoisseur of you know yeah. there's, there's, I like it in dribs and drabs so well it often gets kind of uh, lumped in with ska a lot too right it you does mean, yeah there's a lot of similarities in the culture like subculture and stuff that go together so yeah so it's cool yeah no it was good I liked it I, thanks yeah. Um, you wanted to close off with your love songs, so should I listen to that one, or? Yeah, you should go Okay, I was having some trouble deciding what I wanted to do, because the first song I played was instrumental, and, you know, I don't think I've ever played an instrumental on the show before, so I wasn't sure if I should play a second instrumental again, but I'm going to. Good. So, um, the next thing <laughs> I'm going to play is, uh, East of the River Nile, East of the River Nile, but from the album East of the River Nile by Augustus Pablo, and, uh, this is one of those albums I picked up, um, it came out in 77, and it's something that I... Like, when I first started getting into reggae, I guess was probably around the same time I first heard your band, actually. Um, I was listening to, before I started getting to ska, I had, like, maybe, uh, I kind of took a bunch of my dad's old records that he wasn't listening to anymore. Uh, I had One Stepping On by Madness, I had uh, a couple of Bob Marley albums, and I had The Heart of the Come soundtrack. And uh, what I did, I started getting into reggae and ska kind of simultaneously, and I guess this is mid-90s or something, and I, I went out and got a bunch of books just thinking that this would be like a way to, you know, track down uh, older things or whatever. And I remember reading about this record, and uh, there's a big picture of Augustus Pablo. I don't know, you know what he looks like? Have you seen No. Him? He's like this really scrawny looking guy. He's always wearing this big hat full of dreads that looks way too big for his head. And he looks sickly and pale and like, well, not pale, but <laughs> he looks like really drawn and like he's like he's in some kind of horrible pain all the time. And he's holding this instrument that I was like, what? I don't know what this is. Because he plays a melodica. And I had no clue what that was. Okay. I mean, it looked cool, right? But I didn't know what it was. And so I actually went out and I found the tape of East of the River Nile. And, like, that was kind of one of those albums, I think, that really got me into reggae heavily. Like, I mean, I was already sort of getting there and, and just got at the same time. But this album, really, it's all instrumental. Um, really, really heavy on the melodica because that's his instrument. Um, he produced a lot of other people as well at the time. But this is his solo stuff is really, um, really awesome. And I actually remember um, when I was in college, I was playing this tape in a classroom because whatever class it was, you could listen to music or whatever. And uh, someone, I was this song, 
and uh, someone came up to me like, what is this stupid music we're listening to? And I was all kind of, I was all proud of myself for finding this album. I was like, oh, it's great. It's Augustus Pablo, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, it sounds like some kind of Middle Eastern wedding music. <laughs> sounds so, awesome. Yeah. Man. So, so I was like, yeah, I know. It What's it? that person's yeah, yeah, problem? Yeah. So, so fuck you, that person. <laughs> we're going to listen to Augustus Pablo, Easter River. Now. I mean, I picked it because East, right? I mean, and that's kind of a, a very common theme, like the whole Africa. I mean, uh, the other song I wanted to play, actually, it was Far East by Barry Brown. Which would have tied into the first one uh, to, to your song actually you played um, the Eastern Center time because it came out uh, on Studio One, one of the versions of it. He did a few versions of it, but I don't want to play it because it's not my favorite Barry Brown song. So I was actually think just to to uh, chime in on what you were saying about how a lot of those like reggae songs are about East or whatever because it's uh, it's like a religious thing, right? Like I was thinking about playing uh, uh, something off uh, Pete Rock and Seal Smooth's record uh, Mecca and the Soul Brother because. Obviously, like when I think originally when people referred to uh, facing east, they're referring to facing Islam. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, the reggae stuff is more Rastafari about yeah, Africa, yeah, you know, Ethiopia. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I mean, this is a uh, it's instrumental album. It's I, ever since I heard this, I love the melodica and like for years. I remember for a long time, I, I had no idea to play it, but I was like, I need to buy one of these. I need to find one, and I couldn't have, I couldn't find one to a bunch of music stores. Ask them about it. They were all way too expensive because I was like, I don't know, 19 or something. I didn't have enough money to How buy How much would a melodica be? Well, now I've seen them at Long McQuaid and they're like 129 bucks. Yeah. So I was thinking like if I ever get 129 bucks, I don't need for someone else <laughs> to buy a melodica. I'm not in a band now, but I'm still going to like... Back then, would you like, would they be in the store or would they have to order them? They would have to order them. But yeah. now I saw, I remember I wandered into Long McQuaid on lunch break because I work near there now. You got to go in Kijiji, man. I know, I don't like the internet, though. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, because my radio <laughs> show's on the internet, and the website's on the internet, but I don't trust buying things. I bought maybe two things on the internet ever, and both times I'm just terrified that I'm going to get, I don't know what. Yeah. I mean, pe- I don't need, I don't want to go into it, but people people who sell things on like eBay or Kijiji have ratings. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I probably I know should, Kijiji, I should just bite the bullet and do it, yeah, but, yeah. I did buy a Melodica on did eBay. Yeah. yeah, and it lasted for a while, and then it turned into a letter U. It started to... Oh yeah, yeah. Both, quite severely. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so now it's uh, a toy for my children. Did but, you actually? Uh, did you use it on any recordings? On on like your? Uh, I used it uh, with the afterbeat when I was okay. recording them. Okay. Uh, and uh, use it live a lot. Uh, it, which it's a, it's a great instrument. Yeah, it right? sounds it gets awesome. a, Such a unique a sound. Fantastic yeah. color. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we use it live quite a bit, and we got a nice pink one. It's kind of. Uh, uh, of a lesser quality, but it plays in tune fairly well, cool. and we didn't pay that much money for it. I think we got it at Encore Music. So, yeah. but yeah, you can spend like three hundred and fifty dollars on a, a fancy yeah. ass melodica. Yeah, like, oh, so and the, yeah. The thing for me too is I don't know how to play it, and uh, especially you know, especially at the time I had no idea how to play anything on a keyboard. Like now I have a basic knowledge of how to play. You know, I can play like some rhythm stuff on a keyboard, so I'd be a little more comfortable doing it now. But then I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. What yeah. To do. So like, I wouldn't have spent that much money on it, but. Every time I see him, which is not that often, I'm kind of tempted. I actually bought this toy called a piano horn. Have I showed you that thing before? No, I don't. I, I, if I can find it, I'll bring it out while we're listening to the next song and I can play it. <laughs> well, I don't like to play it on the radio because it's, it's a kid's toy. It's this plastic thing and it kind of has a similar sound as a melodica. It's not in any way shaped or arranged like a melodica, but it's... Uh, I looked up cheap toy melodicas on the internet because I, want, I figured <laughs> I'm not going to spend 300 bucks on this. I want to get like something I can use and so this came up. But uh, this, we're going to listen to the real thing. And Augustus Pablo, I'm not, I don't know if I've heard too many other melodica players that are, like, that that's their primary instrument, but this, this guy is the king of it for okay. me, so. cool. Easter River Nile from the album of the same name. <laughs>
That was Augustus Pablo, uh, East of the River Nile, from East of the River Nile. And, uh, yeah, it came out in 77. And I, I knew there was something weird about his name. I couldn't remember what it was, so I looked it up. And um, Augustus Pablo, the name was used generically for any keyboard player that uh, Herman Chinloy was producing. So it was just like on albums, he just threw in the name Augustus Pablo mm-hmm. as the name of the keyboard player. But So Horace Swabby. What do the keyboard players think about that? Well, I don't think they got. I don't think it was a big deal back then, right? A lot of that stuff is not getting a lot of, you know. Right. Okay. So I mean, it's like American stuff too at right, that time, right? A lot of uh, soul records and stuff. They didn't list any of the names or anybody. So yeah. he's just putting Augustus so he's Pablo. So he's just like a session musician. Yeah. yeah. So Horace Swaby, who is this guy, who is this Augustus Pablo? He he was an Augustus Pablo <laughs> on a few <laughs> records. Then he just kept the name, and then he had success with it solo. So that's really cool. Actually. It is really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. And he actually he died. I think it was in like the late nineties. He's only forty or something. Like he was super young. But um, he released some really good stuff. Uh, a lot of it's not obviously under his name. Um, it's, uh, the, probably the biggest one is um, King Tubby's Meets Rockers Uptown. And that's him producing and playing Melodica on it, but it doesn't have his name anyway. He's on the cover. Hmm. And also King Tubby's Meets Rockers in a Firehouse, which is really good too. He's on that. Uh, again, his name's not on there. It's just like the name of the production house, right? So, But yeah, I really like it. This album was really important to me, I guess, uh, when I was a teenager like 18, 19. Yeah, it's cool. I was really this like kind it. of stuff, so yeah. so it was cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, those are the lyrics, right? So it's not... Uh, but this was like... Uh, actually, where's, where's the album cover? I mean, was, a lot of... Was, sorry, was Melodica like really popular instrument in reggae at that time? or I don't know if it was at that... I don't know if this is... I'm not sure. I'm not sure when it became popular, but it, like you were saying when we listened to it, it really is like a perfect instrument somehow for it. Yeah. For the genre. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is, but it, it really fits. Um, I mean, you could do use a keyboard for the same thing, but it wouldn't be as good. Yeah, it has that kind of haunting kind of. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like for dub, it's amazing. Like it were, it's like one of the best instruments. Um, what I was gonna say is on this album, there's a lot of guys who went on to, or even before this, were really, really huge. Um, uh, Robbie Shakespeare played bass on a lot of the songs. Um, Chinna Smith plays guitar. Uh, Family Man Barrett, Carlton Barrett are on a few of the songs. Like there's uh, tons of people who went on to other things in reggae or or and they're just notable. So, and. Uh, you know, it's just an instrumental, weird political album, <laughs> but but it's got a lot of big names and it's, it's really cool. I it's, actually, it's uh, I think I, I think I know. I was trying to think of what the melodica reminded me of, especially in that song, and I think what it reminded me of is harmonica. I mean, I think the reason that Sorry, I, I connect it to is because it kind of reminds me almost of of like a theme from an old western movie. Yeah, and you know what? I actually like a lot of those. Uh, <laughs> This is the piano horn. I'm gonna show you guys, but um, I actually like a lot of those spaghetti western soundtracks a lot. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, so I have a lot of those records, and that's something I'm really into. And maybe that's what the connection and, is. Maybe and you were, like... and you told me before that um, was this like because a lot of those reggae guys were really influenced by like Clint Eastwood specifically. Oh, for right? sure. Yeah. Well, well, no, why those westerns in general? Like, yeah, I mean, right. There's uh, tons of them. like I showed. I think I showed you that one record, like how the west was won. But that was yeah, a dancehall record. But yeah, there's like yeah. a lot of that stuff. So, yeah, maybe there's a connection. I don't know. Um, I don't know if one can see this, but this is the piano horn. It's like a piece of plastic with some keys on it. And I'm not going to play anything on it. I'm sure I'll just play like a couple. But Sounds good. You know, it's a similar kind of thing. Not as good as, obviously, but it's my cheap melodic I keep I keep buying my niece and nephew uh, musical instruments for like Christmas and birthday gifts. And they're like young. They're like um, like seven and six. Yeah. And um, 
basically what I'm trying to do is build up like an arsenal of, of instruments for them so that when I go over to visit them I can just play music maybe like <laughs> one, one day start a band yeah 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 oh I do same thing yeah yeah I can't wait till they're old enough I'm gonna buy them like a four track and get them to start recording yeah. songs but yeah well this has become my daughter's pretty interesting because like you know I oh you didn't buy that for your daughter I bought it for me <laughs> <laughs> I, for I just assumed it was no yeah, I know it looks like it's, it's in her music box or the ukulele right. and stuff right but it's I uh, know I bought this for me and actually we used it um there's a video on Witch Police you can find somewhere of me and Colin, uh, Colin Wolf, right. and Henry Beckwith. Um, Henry's playing an organ that's out in my garage now. Yeah, I and think uh, I don't Colin's that. playing bass, and I'm playing this, and it's just it's so discordant and weird. And wrong, <laughs> but it's fun, you know. Yeah. So that's all it's been used for, really. Uh, like that's it. But it's uh, it's fun to play. I don't know. It's good. Yeah. Do you guys know a tune called Midnight Cowboy? Have you heard of that? Does that ring a bell at all? Who's there it, was yeah. when I was in high school. I was a big Faith No More fan. Oh, yeah. And I think it was in 92 or 93, they released this EP called Songs to Make Love To. Okay. And it was uh, cover tunes. They did a Dead Kennedys cover. And one of the tunes on there was Midnight Cowboy. And they used a melodica. <laughs> and it was very much a Western theme, like you were saying, Rob. Right. Um, was that when Mike Patton was... Yeah, yeah, it's an instrumental tune too. So he, oh, he I, was... don't, I don't know if he was actually performing. I, I doubt it. But one of the tunes on that that short EP was this Western Midnight Cowboy and huh. the, the melody was played on the melodica. So, yeah, oh, so it's, it's connected. Yeah, totally I think there is, yeah, for sure. It's like, it's really kind of haunting, lonesome kind of sound. Too, yeah. It yeah. really works, I guess, yeah. yeah. Definitely. For sure. Um, while we're on the, the reggae um, topic, I wanted to ask you a couple things while we have you here. I mean, not about reggae, but about ska, because um, I don't think we're playing any more ska songs, so it seems like they're <laughs> the appropriate time. Sure. Um, Hole and Milka, because we played them a few weeks ago, um, one of the things that came up with our guest and the other host was, because they had the, the other host was familiar with you guys, he'd been to some shows back in the day too, yep. but our guest had never heard of the band before, and we were wondering if, um, we were kind of talking about the, the, the song, and are those albums still in print? Like, are they, or or what? Like, I mean, because I haven't seen them, you know, floating around in stores or anything for years. No, once they... in a while, um, they will pop up here and there, but... Um, if you go, I think if you still go to the Stomp Records webpage, like right, right at the bottom of their right, roster, like right? they, or, they yeah. must have uh, oodles of copies kicking around yeah. because there was there was quite a quite a contentious moment there just before it was released. And um, in short, I mean, this is such old news; I don't mind talking about right. it. But well, I mean, I'm uh, just curious too because I mean, like uh, you know, I, as people who listen to the other episode will will know, and people will know me. Like I was a really big fan of your band. And uh, we, you know, we played some shows with you and stuff, but I don't know too much about the, the behind-the-scenes thing. So please go ahead and like it. It's worth worth hearing. I think. Uh, yeah, we we had planned for a uh, a a CD release party for the second record, Alice Diamond, yeah. and um, we were told by Stomp Records that it wasn't going to be ready in time. That um, you shouldn't shouldn't plan a CD release party unless you've got the product in your right. hand. So um, we didn't want to wait, and and so we planned this party. And they said you should like move it back. And I said okay, we're gonna do that. What if we move it to December? And he's like, yeah. it's only gonna be two weeks later than your party. And December was uh, three or four months in the future. So he says that's actually too far. Don't be silly. And I said, look, if it's three or four months in the future. It'll be okay, right? Guaranteed? He's like, yeah. guaranteed. You'll have it like three months before the show, so you don't need to worry about it. A week before the show, we got a call from them saying it's not going to be ready. Right. I said, you told us you... And and so we had to take it upon ourselves to figure out how we're going to pull this off. We'd sold tickets. like Things were 
yeah. were moving. So um, I think, if memory serves me, it was our bass player, Doug, who went to work calling manufacturing plants because he can't, couldn't get anything done in Winnipeg at the yeah. time. Yeah. And he found Can a place know? that was going to turn it around for us in 24 hours. Oh, wow. We would have to manufacture it in, in the sense that we'd have to put like put everything yeah. together yeah. <laughs> but they would give us the the product and we we said I called up the uh the guy who was doing our art at the time and I said is it finished yeah and he says yeah I'll send you the pdf that was really cool so, cartoon art for that one too like that was early yeah that's a whole other thing too we were not happy with that artwork but okay. we were we were told too bad this is what your album cover is going to look I like it was cool then. it was well you know what it was <laughs> the it was, label was that, really like, well done was that pl- playing that big of a role like they were yeah Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's uh, now if you ask them, they will tell you a totally different yeah. story. I guarantee it. You know, you're only hearing one side of yeah. it, and fair enough. They will. If you go to Montreal and you ask them, they'll say that band. Hey, you're going to Montreal, Boston. Time. They used to have a store did, in Montreal, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and so we got the CD manufactured, turned around the day of the uh, release party. Um, we lined up like uh, like a Henry Ford uh, assembly line, yeah. and one guy oh, would like put it. together the jewel case and pass yeah. it on to the next guy. Would put in the inserts, and the next guy would put in the disc and close it. And then we had these these stickers, these little round clear stickers that we would tape over because we couldn't get anything. Uh, what do you call it when you get it uh, packaged? With the cellophane. Oh, the know, shrink wrap. Right? Shrink wrap. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. We obviously we didn't have that that available to us so we had like 500 of these cds with these awful stickers <laughs> that over time just created a goo on right. your jewel case it was, yep. it was gross but we had the product and uh then we got a phone call while this manufacturing plant in toronto was turning around saying oh we found a way to do it they're on their way it's like you told us it wasn't going to be ready we've yep. already put wheels in motion so I tell you that story to say there's twice as many copies out there that probably should have been. Wow. That's why they're wow. still kicking around, you know. But the first one is like long. It's long gone. Yeah. yeah. The first one was great. I really like that one. Uh, it a, well, thanks. Yeah. It, you know, I I find it extremely hard to listen to. And, well, that's uh, like anything, though, right? If, I mean, yeah. I have the stuff. I mean, like stuff I was doing with Grandma's Army. It's very hard for me to listen to, and that was like in terms of quality, way worse than what you guys were doing. <laughs> so, like at least you know. Look back on it, we say we made that record for about nine hundred bucks. Yeah, that's cool. So, like at the time, like in nineteen ninety five, ninety six, like that was all right. You know, we had a friend who was taking classes at Mid Ocean and was able to get us some free studio time. We had to supplement some things here and there, but for a thousand bucks, we got this record made, and it was fun, and it was a first go. We didn't really know what we were doing. So, so how did you? I mean, if you don't mind talking about this stuff, no, no, how how did you get hooked up with Stomp? Because Stomp at the time, you know, because like the Planet Smashers and Kingpins and all that stuff, that was like the, I guess it probably still is, the, the, the Canadian Scott label, right? I mean, the, yep. I can't think of anyone else other than, you know, Bacteria Buffet later on yep. and things. But how did you, how did you guys, is it just from touring and meeting those other bands and stuff? Or We got wind of, and I can't remember how it happened. Um, oh, I, I, Matt Collier, who was yeah. the lead singer of the Planet Smashers, and Jordan Swift, who played in the Kingpins at the time, had this idea to put together an all Canadian ska compilation. Okay, the all Canadian, all Canadian. Well, yeah. Yeah. So they started digging around, looking for bands, obviously in on the east, in the east rather, uh, yeah. with uh, in Montreal, and Toronto, and then they started to do homework about what, are there other bands out there because they didn't know because yeah. no bands were really touring at that and time. And there's no internet and all that, right? So, exactly. Yeah. So aside from like we knew King Apparatus was out there, yeah. um, Imam Morgenthaler had packed yeah. it in at this point in time. 
And I got a, a phone message when I came home one day. Some guy named Matt called from Montreal, wants you to be on this thing. And so I called him and he says, do you have anything recorded? And I said, no, but we'll get on it right yeah. away. So we did. And then um, you was, could... Wasn't the Mooka on the first one or something? It was um, a tune called Skank okay. on the very oh, yeah, first yeah, yeah. one. Sorry. Yeah. And, and then after that CD was released, it was really a brilliant plan by the folks out in Montreal at Stomp Records because then they took that CD and the Planet Smashers toured it. Right. Toured the comp across. Right. And they had bands in every city along the way hooking them up, right, with shows oh, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was brilliant, really, yeah. when you think about it. And when they got to Winnipeg, uh, their first CD had been released. In fact, it's kind of a funny story because... Um, I got a phone call from them on route. They were in Ontario saying, our CD is ready, but yep. we're on the road. Can we ship the CDs to your house? Oh, cool. And I said, yeah. So they called, has it come, has it come? This was their very first disc. I'm like, yeah, the box is here. You're like, open it up, take one, take one. So I was like, I got the very first <laughs> Planet really Smasher cool. CD ever before even the band. You know, I'm like, yeah, it looks great. Like it, And so they started selling their full-length CD. And shortly after that, the Kingpins released a little EP. Then they did a volume two of that. Yeah. And following that, we had approached them somewhere in that time saying, we want to do a full length with you guys. And they, for them, it was almost like they were franchising out. Like yeah. it was like Stomp was like a Montreal thing. We did this comp to kind of get some some attention. Yeah. And now we're going to release full length albums. I, That's I, cool. I imagine that was part of the plan at the whole time. But then a band from Winnipeg us said, we want in on this. And they said, yes. And then, then Scavenger wanted in yep. and then JFK and it started to bloom. And Those comps actually are how I found out about a lot of the band, even bands like the Planet Splashers who were bigger. I mean, I got them because uh, of you guys in JFK who I was going to see. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, oh, hey, cool. The Planet Splashers, these guys are good. And like, and then I realized, oh wait, these guys are much bigger than you know. Yeah, yeah. So, it's interesting how like that's how you used to find out about new bands. Yeah, because right? yeah. like you yeah. said, it was before the internet, and like, yeah. and like I, I played like a posse cut earlier, and that's how I'd find out about a lot of new rappers. For sure, yeah, because like, they were someone featured or yeah, yeah, and I also just a lot of compilations when I was younger, like uh, different genres, yeah. learning about new bands for sure. Yeah, it's cool, and now it's like almost overload. There's too many bands to yeah, to I mean, look at on the internet. yeah, <laughs> like I, yeah. I and there's no point in making. A compilation because it's like everything's yeah. so easy to get yeah the yeah for sure a bit of that magic has been lost i mean yeah, yeah. i remember going on um music trips to the states you know and like oh god i can get this this and this yeah. and you'd read liner notes yeah such yeah, and such totally. a band would like to think yeah who's yeah. this and then you look who that is yeah for sure yeah and for you sure. wouldn't be able to go onto youtube you yeah. had to like take a chance yeah, right yeah. there was a magic in that that has left me kind of jaded now. You yeah. know, like I, it's nice that everything is so accessible, but at the same time, the mystery has gone a little it is. bit. There was it something. Is. There was something fun about it too. Like you get to hunt down. Yeah. There, there was something so cool too about like making a trip to like a record store specifically to buy something. You knew you're going to get something, but maybe you yeah. didn't know what, or yeah. you didn't know what it was yeah. going to sound like. Yeah. And then you come home and you just put it in yeah. the stereo and you sit there and listen and read know? the liner notes while you're listening. Yeah. 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 And it's just that's not yeah. certainly I, not the same anymore. I know I've said this on another, one of the other shows too. I think in the past, but um, I really used to like looking at the liner notes and then looking at the songwriting credits, and then you see if something's a cover, and if it's a cover, you try to figure out. Yeah. Who who wrote it? Then you look into their band, and then they yeah. get open up to something totally different. But yeah. I don't think that happens anymore. I don't think you click on YouTube. I don't think anyone's looking at song or credits. Even, like, or even just like looking at at the song credits and seeing how many people's names were. Yeah. Like, and so it's like there'd be groups where you, you just knew the singer or, or or whatever. Then you actually look into like what other band members yeah. are doing, and it, it like gives you a whole new appreciation of the band. You know. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I don't think people even give a shit anymore. It's no. like this. I mean, I shouldn't say it, like do that such a blanket statement, yeah. but like you know, there's so many songs you just hear and you only listen to on YouTube, and you don't care who produced it. You don't care who did the guitar part or no. or whatever, whatever. You know. Yeah, some some people might want to find out. So I think there's probably some kids who are out there looking digging stuff up, but it's not the same for sure. Yeah. I mean, now nowadays you just download a torrent or something, right? Yeah. And I mean, uh, it could be the wrong. It, it could, could be, be the, the wrong, wrong album. <laughs> I saw on YouTube. There, I know I've complained about this before too. I don't think I complained about it on the show before, but I was looking at something on YouTube uh, a couple days ago, and uh, you know the related videos thing popped up. Yeah. And it has a song which is a uh, picture of Bob Marley, and it says "Don't worry, be happy" by Bob Marley. And I was like, "This, this is ridiculous." So I thought, okay, someone is obviously maybe someone like did a cover of it in Bob Marley style. No, it's the Bobby McFerrin song. I've heard. And that there's I've... thousands and thousands of comments, and most people are saying. You know, there's people saying, you're an idiot. This came out like, yeah. eight years after Bob Marley died. There's no way you could have done it. But then there's hundreds and hundreds of comments saying, who cares? doesn't matter who wrote it. Why do you care? Why are you mad? And it's like, what do you mean, why are you mad? This is important. You should know. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, I that's like a to well give credit to That's a well-known one. I've, like, I've encountered lots of people who thought that Don't Worry, Be Happy was Bob yeah. Marley. And there's like, uh, I think I've talked about this on the radio show before, but there was actually back in the day when um, Napster first came out, there were there were these people who were against like file sharing, yeah. And so they specifically would take songs and they would whatever was big at that time, yeah. whatever was being downloaded, they would like intentionally misname songs. Yep. And there was like lots of groups like um. We did talk about this before because we did that. We would yeah. label Grandpa's Army songs as Britney Spears and stuff on Napster, right. so people would be telling right. Britney Spears, <laughs> and all of a sudden there's some horrible Grandpa's Army live recording, right? But yeah, <laughs> but, yeah I don't know. It's uh, anyway. The, I, I, I know this is totally off topic of everything, but now one more thing I wanted to ask you actually while we yeah. have you here is, um, uh, I guess it was, I don't know, maybe eight years ago or so, I was working at the community news- newspapers and uh, like the, the Metro Times, Herald, all those, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember one of the other papers I wasn't writing for because they were all in the same shared office, uh, got a package because um, we used to get all kinds of promotional stuff from all over the place. And uh, they handed it to me and they said, this isn't this thing's already happened or, or we, we don't have time to get, cover it to get it in the paper. But do you want this? And I was like, what is it? And it was a, a, a demo CD of your songs for your musical. Oh, yeah. So I have yeah. it still. I actually found it, like, a while back. And I was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't actually get to see it. But you but you actually wrote a musical. And, and, like, did that, I mean, did that ever get recorded or anything? Like, those songs, were they just, because um, it sounds like it's, it's just you playing most of the stuff on it. Yeah, it was because we we didn't have anything formal to send up for promotional material, but we wrote this this show, London Town. It was something that I, I had this idea, uh, and it mostly stemmed from my buddy uh, Mitch uh, Girio, yeah. who's a fantastic songwriter in Toronto. He used to play bass for King Apparatus, King Apparatus yeah, yeah. and he would send me these CDs of like, like unreleased King Apparatus stuff and I was just like holy shit this yeah. is I'm in seventh heaven right yeah. and here's a bunch of stuff I recorded but never released and like top end stuff is as far as I was concerned I'm like these are brilliant songs yeah. man like how come you haven't released this uh, you know just waiting for the right whatever and he's like you gotta do something with this so um, I took all these songs and I was listening to them over and over and I thought, what if we could write a musical yeah. around his music? And uh, I threw the idea out to him, and I said, look, what if I can find a, a playwright in, in town yeah. that would be willing to take on this project? Um, I can write some tunes to supplement, because you obviously have no big chorus numbers, yeah. so you will yeah. need to do that. And, uh, and he says, well, what about this tune of yours? And he starts naming some of my tunes. I said, sure, we'll throw those into the mix. 
and uh, I found a guy by the name of Corey Wojcik, who is a good buddy of mine now, and the three of us worked on putting this show together, cool. and it was uh, very, very intense, it was so much work, uh, and so... Uh, at the high school I was working at, um, where I direct musicals there, uh, we gave it to the kids, and they were super excited that we were going to do our own musical. Yeah. It was going to be a world premiere. And, and uh, so we did it, and uh, it was picked up by a local production company in town here called White Rabbit Productions. That's and cool. they said, we want to do a workshop on your show, and we're going to hire professional musicians and actors. <laughs> and they got grant money to do it, and it premiered at uh, the Carol Shield Festival in New Works. Oh, wow. And it was, uh, it was really awesome. And like some top-end actors in the city. I mean, our lead female is now, she's now on Broadway. She's oh, like cool. the lead wow. female awesome. in Phantom of the Opera. So. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, Sam Hill. She's she's a phenomenal actress. Cool. And, and so it's like, holy shit, like this is really happening. Um, having said that, I, I don't know if I ever want to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Because it was very intense. And uh, a lot of, uh, like the guy managing the project said, you got to rewrite this tune. Like the lyrics don't work. And in a matter of hours, you got to come up with something different. Wow. So... So did that ever, I mean... That's really cool. That is really cool, yeah. It is fun, yeah. The reason I'm asking is because I found this, I mean, I, I've been, you know, because of Witch Police, I've been going through, I have tons of boxes and bags and all kinds of stuff full of old local music. So that right. got filed away at one point, you know, <laughs> yeah. somewhere with that. And I found it when I was going through some other stuff. And I was like, this is actually really good. Like, I mean, I, I didn't get to see the musical when it was on, but um, they sound like they're demos, or, yeah. So did it ever get recorded like uh, a full version? Like did you guys ever get a recording? No, that was kind of the next plan after okay. the professional workshop was to um, get into the studio and record some stuff so that we could have a CD we could kind of sell or yeah. something for the next go. And it's kind of always been sitting there and Corey will call me up every once in a while saying, so London Town, what do you think? You want to do it again? Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I know that there is one... Uh, there is a copy out there somewhere, a video of the professional oh, workshop, cool. but because they were equity actors, you have to um, be very careful with what you do with right. with a videotape of, of professional actors, so I haven't seen it myself okay. yet, so, but yeah, so hopefully at some point in time, like, um, I know Jeff, the guy at White Rabbit, he had plans to, uh, to tour that, he wanted to try and link it up with the 2010 Olympics, he had like this big oh, plan wow. of putting it on tour and, and whatnot. Because it had this appeal of it was very Canadiana and um, small town, northern Manitoba. Right. The town's kind of going under. And instead of letting the corporations buy it out and turning it into a hunting community, the people destroy the town themselves. And oh, cool. They take matters into their own hands. So, yeah. Cool. Sounds really cool. Yeah, that's nice too bad. Yeah, the story was good. The music was great. It, uh, it's just a whole lot of work. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I have a copy of the demos anyway, so, so it's cool. I was like, hey, is this a new whole lot of milk album? <laughs> That's but, right. Yeah, no, it's neat. Yeah. Um, anyway, we've gone way off topic here, so I guess uh, you're going to play a song to close out the show. Yeah, do you want to do like Yeah, we'll do a little wrap-up stuff. stuff. Yeah, um, we always do this, and everyone kind of groans at it because it's like the same thing every week. Um, but it's, uh, you know, you're uh, we're listening to episode 27, so there's 26 other episodes. Uh, you can find them all at www.witchpolice.com. Uh, there's a podcast button link at the top, and you can download or stream all those for free. There's a lot of free local music on there as well, including uh, your stuff, my stuff, John's stuff. I don't think you have any stuff on there yet. Hopefully we can get some of that on in the future. Yeah, I'd and, like to get uh, that done. Yeah, yeah it would be awesome. And uh, yeah, you can check out all that stuff. It's free. You can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, there's a Twitter account for the radio show. It's at WitchPoliceFM, and you're at, at Rob Crooks. Yep. And robcrooks.com. Yep. Do you have any shows coming up that will, by the time of this, uh, this show will be on the air probably 
on the site in early June, I think. Oh, I've just played a bunch of shows. Nothing coming up. I, th- I do have uh, something that's loosely penciled in for June, but uh, I don't really have all the details. So. And by the time this comes out, it may totally change, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, people should check out your stuff anyway on your website, and you have that yeah. new stuff with Bird of Prey that is... Uh, yeah, that'll be out by the time this airs, so... Cool. And do you have anything you want to promote? You like your website or? Yeah, I, I play in a band called the Scarlet Union. Oh, yeah, and <laughs> you can, no, that's no problem. Yeah. You can check it out at uh, thescarletunion.com. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's the end of the show, uh, except for Rob's last song. Yeah. Which is going to be about the East somewhere. Yeah. So <laughs> the way this is about the East is this is a band from Japan, which is uh, to us Eastern. Okay. Um, I was wondering if people in Japan refer to themselves as the East and us as the West. I don't know about that. Hmm. I don't know. Do we? Re- I guess we refer to ourselves as the West. Yeah. They probably do. Okay. Um, so on to the next point. Uh, this is a... <laughs> <laughs> this is a band called... I think it's pronounced Les Réalisés Denudés. Okay. Which is kind of like a French name, but it's but it's a Japanese group. They have a Japanese version of their name. Um, okay. But... You don't speak Japanese? I don't so. speak Japanese. Yeah. Um... This song's called Blind Baby Has Its Mother's Eyes, and I gotta admit, I don't know much about this group. This group was um, recommended to me, and uh, I've checked out a lot of their stuff. They were originally, like, um, a theater troupe, like an avant-garde theater troupe, Mm -hmm. and it seems like they just picked up instruments. They don't really know how to play them. Like, their music is a lot of noise and a lot of repetitive stuff. Okay. And uh, they're around in the 60s, so they got this, like, psych rock, noise rock kind of feel. Um, but they were also really politically involved, like, uh, apparently the bassist was a member of, uh, the Japanese Red Army, and they, hmm. they even, like, hijacked an airplane at one point and <laughs> planned to fly to Cuba. What's with all these, like, criminals you have, uh, <laughs> you got the bank robber on the other song, and then these guys? Oh, yeah, I don't know. It's a sub-theme. Yeah. Yeah. To my life. <laughs> yeah, so, like, they didn't, I don't really know why they did it. Maybe they were just trying to, to exile to Cuba. BX, right. whatever, go to Cuba. Yeah, defect. No. Defect. Whatever, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And, uh, but they didn't make it. They went, they ended up in North Korea. A lot of them, <laughs> a lot of them are apparently supposedly still alive today, living in North, North Korea. Korea. Well, a lot of them have just been like, I wish I could go back to Japan. Like, I'll go to jail. I just need to get the hell out of North Korea. Wow. Um, Is this one of the records you picked up in Europe? No, I picked this up on uh, Record Store Day at Into okay. the Music a couple years ago. It's because my, my friend Dane... Yep. Bird of Prey has been on the show. He yep. works there, and I was kind of had money to blow. And I was like, you know, I'm getting these records. Is there anything else you can recommend me? He's oh, like, you, cool. you got to get this. So, it was, so I got it. What kind of uh, what kind of music is it? I mean, you, I think he's already kind of said it was. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like psych rock. It's like the song I'm gonna play is instrumental. It's really repetitive, and there's just like this bass line and drums and just noise. Cool. Yeah, you know, a lot of feedback and uh, yeah. So it's like a John pick, but better. Exactly. Yeah. 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 All right. Like all my picks. Like all your picks are like John's picks. Or more like better. John's picks or like my picks, but worse. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, uh, cool. Réalisé Denudet. Awesome. And the one thing we didn't mention is that Greg's going to play a song at the end of the show. Right. A live song, which is really cool. I mean, this is something we try to encourage a lot of the guests to do. Not all of them want to do it, but uh, thank you for doing that. No problem. Totally. And uh, you check that out. And end of the show. Which, please, over. <laughs>
Okay, so some information about the song. I found this, uh, it's actually a poem that I found in a book of Canadian poetry written by the Canadian working class. And it was originally published in a workers' periodical in 1913. And uh, the poem sang off the page to me, so I set some music to it. It's called The Wage Slave's Apology. Dear Rose, I know that it's mighty tough to only send you ten in this mail. All things have come up pretty rough, or I would not put up this wail. Oh, pigeon cuts our wages down to bits a day because he said so many more have come to town and there is a little work ahead. So you had best be careful, careful, Rose, because work is scarce and wages are low. Don't buy the kiddies, man. May surely have to go And for another master hunt Well, this place, she is full of idle men And someone has to bear the brunt Yes, so please be careful with this tan Oh, Pigeon's wife, she got silks to wear Dressed up in calico It makes me mad enough to swear To think the slaves will have it so So you had best be careful Careful, Rose Cause work is scarce And wages are low Don't buy the kiddies Many clothes Cause I may surely have to go Yes, cause I may surely have to